You're listening to Super Manager, the podcast for people who manage people and business with ideas, trends, and expert interviews to help you be a super manager. I remember a long time ago, my first job was I worked in the actuarial department for an insurance company and I was kind of doing data entry work. And I learned how to write computer programs. I learned how to take what was before Excel, something one, two, three. Wait, people were alive yes, before what Excel? Was <laughs> what was it? One, two, th- I remember that. Holy crap. It was before, it was the spreadsheet yeah. program before Excel. Something one, two, three, yeah. right? I can't remember the name. I, yeah, I don't but, know what the heck you all But you could about. write <laughs> little programs and macros in there. And so I started writing these little programs and macros. And that's kind of what started my career as a computer programmer. But I never got paid what the other programmers got paid, and it could have been a gender bias thing, but I think more than likely it was because I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like, well, they're all professionals, and I just kind of taught myself how to do this, so I'm not really a programmer. I'm just kind of getting away with it. I'm just kind of passing as one. And it really affected me. I was afraid to speak up when I had ideas out of fear of being discovered, that people were going to realize I didn't know what I was talking about or that I didn't belong. And who let her in? How'd she get in here? And people would tell me, you're very good at this. And I didn't actually believe it until years later, after working with enough people that were real programmers that weren't, <laughs> that weren't as good as me. And you start to realize that it's not really about the skills, it's more about the confidence, you know, how you feel about yourself. This week we're going to be talking about dealing with imposter syndrome. And I have my very real non-imposter super friends with me. We have... My name is Mike Kitko. I am an executive coach with Mike Kitko Coaching. I help executives feel as powerful inside as they appear on the outside. And I just published my first book, The Imposter in Charge. Awesome. And I'm Angie Kitko, also with Mike Kitko Coaching, and I am a speaker and connector. Jeff Kozatek with Core Authenticity. I help people reframe how they see themselves so they can change how they see other people. And I am Samantha Nays with CN Video. We do corporate video production. Jeff mentioned something about this earlier outside of the podcast discussion. The inside creates the outside, right? How you feel, the world yeah. treats you the way you feel about yourself, and you'll attract that exactly into your life. And So I've had many of those stories, right? So I went through my whole entire life in corporate, you know, in the Marine Corps. I was being rewarded and given all these gifts and promoted and more compensation. And, but I just, I felt like it's all going to fall apart. It's interesting for me to hear that you felt Mm -hmm. that way. And maybe it's just because I talk more with other women, but I wondered if it was a gender thing. No. You mentioned that the other day and I have to vehemently disconcur. You guys guys are feeling it too. Yeah. Well, we're not. Guys, right? We're not allowed to express weakness. We're not allowed to show a lack of no. strength or courage. Or we're not allowed to be imperfect. That that's bravado, all, you that, gotta put that's that. That's all garbage, but that's the way yep. we're raised anyway. Yep. <laughs> right? Society's done a yes. huge disservice to the masculine. As a boy who loved art and sunsets and long walks on the beach and asking questions and being aware of what other people are feeling, what I'm feeling, I thought I was defective. Yeah, because absolutely. every example of manliness was the opposite of that. And so for a long time, I thought I needed to be something that I wasn't so that I would be accepted for being a guy. And it wasn't until five years ago that I realized, oh, no, wait, this does not make me less of a man. This is just my skill set. And I can perhaps use that 
and grow that. The more I tap into it, the stronger that could become. But just the idea that's not wrong, and then I can take the mask off and just be me, was extremely liberating. Yeah, and I remember being a kid and having emotion, right? Falling, skinning your knee or something happened or somebody said this thing that made me feel, and I'm talking four or five years old, coming home from kindergarten, that this guy said this thing or this kid said this thing. And, you know, my brothers, I would be crying and they'd say, they called me a five-letter name that starts with P, right? So we're not allowed to have emotions as boys, as guys. So we've got to hide ourselves. The two things that really sum up the imposter syndrome for me is one is absolute self-rejection and the other is inadequacy. Is we're not adequate and that's why we feel like an imposter and that's why we feel like we're not a valued member of the team or it's all getting ready to fall apart or hope that my charade that, that I've been living in doesn't fall apart or I've got to wear these masks or I have to demonstrate strength when I don't have any or I have to lie and cheat. It's and- interesting you guys are talking about this feeling of adequacy and it sounds like it's based on comparison with other people. And what's interesting is you're comparing how you're feeling on the inside mm. to how other people are behaving on the outside, which is not a fair comparison. You're comparing your imperfections to what right. you see or, or your, right. your, perceptions. your weaknesses, right. right? Your perceived weaknesses to somebody else's strengths. To your perception of their strengths, though, because how you appear on the outside and how you feel on the inside are not always the same thing. Agreed. But when you see somebody demonstrate a skill, a talent, and you see the result that they get, then there's some strength there or there's something there that they're doing and you can see that they're aligned and they're good at that thing. You can see the result. You can see Mm -hmm. the outcome. And you can definitely see with your own eyes that they're doing something and it's creating a result. And when you think, well, I can't do that, so I'm broken. I was just going to say, I will never forget going to lunch with some friends of mine who had followed me as an entertainer. That's how we met. They met me as juggling Jeff. And so they knew me as a guy that's on stage in front of hundreds or thousands of people being very loud, being very interactive. This persona. Yeah. And so we get together for lunch and I am not that guy (laughs) because we're not on stage and we're just having a conversation. And I like to ask questions and listen a lot. And that's not what I do when I'm on stage, right? right? And I'll never forget, the wife looked at me and she goes, you're very different. And I thought, wow, I'm sorry, am I disappointing you? Am I, am I, am you I coming up short? during the dinner. <laughs> right, I'm like, this is me, and I'm sorry that me is not enough. And in that moment, I felt like I needed to put on a mask and pretend to be something else so that wow. we could continue to have the conversation and that I would be enough for them. That was not cool. You were talking about how other people's success and, mm-hmm. and you not being able to live up to other people's success, but I don't even know that's really so much it because what I found is it was really just low self-esteem for me personally. I refused to believe that I was legitimate at my job. Oh, I was worried that I was going to be found out as somebody who really you know, didn't belong there or whatnot, but it's not because I saw other people's success. It was strictly what was on the inside. If I were really paying attention... Some of the people I were working with really shouldn't have been there. Well, I, I mean, think really I, legitimately I, shouldn't have been there. I think it's all inclusive, right? You know, I remember being a child and getting all A's and a B and my dad looking and saying, what happened? Right. What are you going to do to fix this thing? And I'll be like, well, last year I almost failed fourth grade. And this year I've got all A's and a B. And you're asking me about the B. And what are you going to do about that B? And I'm like, so I've got to be perfect in order to be adequate. Got it. Okay, so now I take that fast forward and I'm in my corporate career and I see something that somebody can do that I can't and I feel broken. And what that did is it helped me realize that my talents 
I should already be talented at those things. That's a given. I can't give myself credit for that. I've got to work and concentrate on this thing that I can't do that you can. But I didn't understand that everyone has strengths and everyone has weaknesses. And we concentrate so heavily on, in my situation, on being perfect and overcoming that weakness that completely neglect. And really, in essence, I was blind to the fact that I was talented. So there's a story that I tell in my book that I worked for a company, a $65 million manufacturing plan. I inherited six functional leaders. I let three of them go. I replaced them with two, two leaders. So I consolidated some positions, got this plant to perform at $30 billion company, right? So the, the entire enterprise got this company to form at a, just a world-class level. And then I felt like I had to get out of there because my functional leaders left me with nothing to do. And I was completely not talented. I didn't understand that I can put together teams and develop them and help them achieve greatness. I didn't understand that that was my zone of genius and that was my gift. You worry so much about meeting other people's expectations, like you at that dinner. You were so worried about meeting their expectations of what you should be like. I could. Right, because in that moment when I'm just being me, you feel like you come up short and like you're inadequate. And I feel like I'm not the only person that experiences that. Not at all. (laughs) I need to be all things at all times to all people in order to be relevant. Which can be incredibly exhausting. Which can be impossible. Right, right, impossible. And because it's impossible, you're constantly fatigued. So at the end of the day, if you go home to your loved ones, there is nothing left. Mm -hmm. And... That's not sustainable. And I want to say in the present tense, I have to be all things to all people at all times. You know, that was before the transition that we made. And my wife is sitting here next to me. I was a different person in my marriage because I had to be who she wanted me to be than I was at the corporate office because that's who I needed to be there. And then I had friends and I needed to be a badass Marine, perfect, strong, drink a lot in front of those guys. And I had to be somebody different. So exhausting. You can't possibly be all things to all people. And Luckily for me, it all fell apart. It all collapsed, and I got to rebuild it in a way that was just unified. <laughs> Wait, did you just say, lucky for me, it all yep. fell apart? God. Yes. yes. That's what I thought you said. Thank the heavens that everything fell apart, that I couldn't keep all the plates spinning all at the same time, and I couldn't keep that ruse up. Because when everything fell apart, that's when I realized that I had nothing figured out, and I got to build everything back up in one image. And really... Overcoming the imposter syndrome is really just about, this is who I'm going to be, and F you, if you don't like that. And I say that with love, but it's really about deciding and embracing the fact that you are unique and you are valuable as yourself, as you're built, in your talents, in your weaknesses, in everything that you are right now. And if someone judges you, it's about their judgments about them, and it has nothing to do with you. You know what's interesting about people that are entering the workforce right now? I think they're all still millennials. They're all still kind of considered millennials, but there's like two stages of millennials. The millennials from a few years ago and the millennials that are entering the workforce now have a real problem with imposter syndrome. So what I'm finding is when you put the two together, they're either on one end of the spectrum or the other. You have people so stressed out and anxiety levels now, people just graduating college, just entering the workforce, Their anxiety levels, their suicide levels Mm. are extremely high because they've got these expectations that they're trying to meet. And you're seeing a lot of concerns about, can I do it? But on the other hand, you also have the generation, the you get an award for showing up generation that are on the opposite end of the spectrum that actually come in and truly genuinely believe that they are great and can do anything and they can't. 
And the funny thing is, is that when you've got somebody that's got that level of confidence, we do our internships in the summer and we've got a video project. Who can do this? And you have a few that'll go, oh, I've got this. I've got it. No experience, but I'm great. I can do this. I've got it. And then you've got the few that go, I'll help with that. And almost, I want to say 90% of the time, the person who says I'll help is the one that could have done a better job at it than the person who actually stepped up and said, I've got this. And going back to corporate days, the person who thought they were performing the best was typically at the bottom of the, the rung when we did a rack and stack, right? And vice versa. A little self-realization in both directions. And I think we spend so much time engaging with the outside world, with the material world, that we don't really dive inside and really understand ourselves at a deep level. And I think self-awareness, a lack of self-awareness is what creates the imposter syndrome right? Lack of connection with yourself. And, and overconfidence, and, <laughs> kind of in both directions. So here's my take on confidence, right? I'm going to give you my definition. It's not right or wrong. It's just mine. Is Confidence is your ability to trust yourself with uncertainty. And I love when someone says, I have no idea what to do, but I want to do it because I trust myself to be able to handle that thing that I have no idea what I'm getting into. I'm a Marine veteran, right? It's about there's something over there. We got to go that way. I don't know what we're going to do when we get over there. We don't know what's there, but we got to go that way because there's something over there. And that's why, you know, Marines have confidence, right? It's about, I have no idea what I'm facing, but I trust myself to figure it out when I get over there. And I think we see that we look for, we define confidence, right? The way I used to define confidence is I know I can do this thing because I've done it before. Mm -hmm. And now my redefinition is I have no idea what it is, but I'm going to give it a shot because I trust myself to handle whatever outcome But you happens. have to know the difference. Yeah. Because there are, pe- there are people that have what I call false confidence. And that's where they have never done it before. They don't have any experience, but they say, I'm going to do this, but they don't have that realization of I'm going to figure it out or I'm going to try. Yeah. They more think they can. And they, they think mm. that the result is certain. Right. Because they're engaging with it rather than say, hey, we'll give it a shot and we'll see what we get. Yeah. Right. right. And I'm good with myself either way. If, I'm, if, I, if I engage with that and I get great results or if I get poor results, it ha- it's no reflection on who I am and the value and worth that I hold within myself. Well, that's and rare. that, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying that's rare that you're able to separate your personal worth and value from your mistakes or from your successes. Saying that's very that's the difference, though, between real confidence and false confidence, because mm-hmm. those same interns, when you have the ones that step up and say, oh, I've got this, I can do this, I've, you know, I've done something similar, therefore it should be no problem for me, those are the ones that fall the hardest when they realize they can't. Mm-hmm. Because their value and their worth is tied up in their results. Yeah. Right. And when, when you don't separate those, when you don't play a game with these things that we get to do in our relationship or in our career, or in parenting, when you take it all way too seriously, then your results or your value and worth hinges on your results and and, and what's actually showing up. When you embrace it as a game that we get to experiment with and we get to try and not be perfect, when you're approaching life from that serious of a perspective, and I'll say (laughs) fight, flight, or freeze, survival, when everything's a matter of survival, you're gonna live a really tough life. I did it for 43 years, till I realized that it's all a game and I just made it way too serious. And on that note, do we have an imposter syndrome horror story? I bet you somebody could come up with one. Yeah, my own. (laughs) (laughs) My own, right? 43 years in, shoot, in the book, I talk about 
when I was eight or nine years old and getting a call. I went to a baseball tryout where I, I remember driving home from the tryout with my dad and just thinking I was an absolute failure. Just come, I completely was a train wreck and I wasn't the most in shape kid, but I was definitely, a, you know, I had athletic ability above my form and my shape. But I remember just completely bombing the tryout, feeling like I was absolute disaster and completely rejectable on every level. And the next week I got a call. It was the first number one overall pick. And that innate self-rejection of ourselves, that we can't see any goodness in ourselves. To your point, we can look outside, we can see goodness in everybody else. Thanks for listening to Super Manager by CN Video Production. Visit our website at cn-video.com for additional episodes and lots of Super Manager resources. Or give us a call at 314-VIDEO-ME.